the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Anything, friend, that takes the affections of our heart away from Jesus Christ is a God. It may be a television show or a movie star. Everyone's idol is a personal problem, unique to them, that they must overcome, that they must surrender the idols in their life. That is Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The last time we were together, we brought to you the first portion of Jacob's Secret and Joseph's Sorrow. We will conclude that message here today. Thank you so much for listening. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Revelation 19.7, let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. You see, the problem with perfectionism is that it doesn't give God any kind of glory. It gives the person the glory. When they overcome, they say, wow, I'm an overcomer. Well, God doesn't care for that kind of worship. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Verse 8, it was granted to her. That means it's a gift. It was given to God's people to be clothed with fine linen. To be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Paul tells us that grace, we've been saved through faith. It is not of our own doing. And that the very works of our life were prepared in advance in the gift of Jesus so that we would simply be living the life of Christ as we live the life of faith. Not one person will be saved who boasts about how good they are, how smart they are, how holy they are. We will be saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone or we won't be saved at all. My favorite theologian, who you know is more than a theologian, who is the messenger to the remnant church, the author of the Spirit of Prophecy, those magnificent volumes that were given to our church to prepare a holy people for the coming of Christ, a people subject to the righteousness of Christ in their experience, illumined with the teachings of the Bible. She says that in the righteousness of Christ, there's not one thread of human devising. That righteousness by faith is taking the glory of man and laying it in the dust so that Christ will be exalted as the one who forgives, who justifies, and who changes the life. In 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31, let's look at this. Paul makes this point abundantly clear as well. He, that is God, is the source of your life in Christ. Jesus, whom God made. Now here's what Jesus is. Christ is this for us. Whom God made our wisdom our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 
So if we want wisdom, who's our wisdom? Come on, answer the question. Jesus Christ. If we want righteousness, who is our righteousness? Jesus Christ. If we want to have a changed life and be sanctified, who is the changed life in our life? Jesus Christ. And if we want redemption, now this word redemption means perfection in the sense glorification at the end of the age. The transformation of our natures when Jesus comes. The glorification of the body at the second coming and the resurrection. If we want that, who is our redemption? Jesus Christ. Now, so what's the outcome of that? What does it do to our worship experience? We come to understand the gospel correctly. Look at verse 31. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast of whom? Boasts of the Lord. God wants a people on earth who know that they can't make it without Jesus and who give glory to God in Jesus' name because Christ is the way out of the woods. That's not in my manuscript. I thought you might want to know that. That's the word of God, and my manuscript is too. But I'm telling you, we need Jesus in our church, don't we? I want to confess to you today that I am happy for Jesus. I'm grateful God has given Christ to my family. I'm grateful God has redeemed me. I came from a place I don't want to talk about as a young person. And God redeemed me. God has redeemed my family. My children know nothing hardly of what I went through. I don't want them to know. And you know what? They don't have to because I forget the things that lie ahead. I press on to the mark of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Because as Paul says, Christ has made me his own. By grace, I and you, we have been saved through faith. At the Oak of Shechem, in Genesis 35-4, Jacob and his family finally surrender their lives to God without any reservation. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had, the rings that were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Put them all away. Got them out of the church. Got them out of his home. Purify themselves, change their garments, got in line with God's revealed word. The Bible is very clear in this passage. A deep and sincere revival came upon them. And it always leads to change. First on the inside, then on the outside. Friend, a Christian cannot dress or behave the same way after they have met God at Bethel. In verse 5, the Bible presents God's response to their repentance. Verse 5. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were round about them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Now, some people say, Pastor Mike, you know, boy, the devil's always after my kids. The devil's always ringing our clock. He's always getting the better hand. Well, go back to your closet, get on your knees, and make sure you had the revival you need in your life. Because if you had the revival you need in your life, the other way around, the angels of God will be on the tracks of the devil so that they can't mess with your family anymore. And if bad things happen, it's really good things working out for a better end because God is in control. When you and your family surrender to God, and I will speak to the fathers here directly and mothers also, when you as spiritual leaders surrender to God first in your family, God goes before you and he protects you and your children from the devil and his henchmen. I mean, you can't pay for protection like that. You hire a high-class bodyguard. I know church leaders have people with weapons and stuff to protect them. You don't need that if you've got God's protection. At this juncture, I'd like to refocus on verse 4 and draw your attention to a point you may have overlooked. Notice the Bible says they brought all their idols. You see the word all? That means that Rachel brought the idols she had stolen from her father Laban. Key point. 
No doubt Jacob saw them as she brought them from her tent. Horrified, he saw that she had those idols. And when he did, he must have remembered the oath that he swore to Laban. That terrible oath that would haunt him till the day he died. Oh, if he could only retract it. If he could just take it back. If he could only take back the deadly dialogue with Laban that led to his fatal promise that now affects Rachel. But the words rang in his ears with a cruel clang that broke his heart deep within. Whoever has these idols will not live. That means they will die. And without any pause in the story, from verses 16 to 21, we find after Bethel, Genesis 35, 16 to 21, the fate of a prophet is such that the words cannot be pulled back. You cannot retract them. Like a dagger, they moved like an arrow toward the target. And that became the reason for the lifelong secret and sorrow he would carry for the rest of his life. Look at verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel, Genesis thirty-five sixteen, And when they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And when she was in her hard labor, the midwife said to her, Fear not, for now you will have another son. And as her soul, literally her nephesh, her life spirit was departing, for she died, she called his name Benoni, but his father called his name Benjamin. Benoni means son of my affliction. So Rachel died, and Benjamin means son of the right hand. He wouldn't let that name stand. He rejected it. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar upon her grave. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. But this is not the end of Jacob's secret sorrow. Because someone else was in Rachel's tent that day when Jacob swore his oath to Laban. Someone else was there with her. Her little son Joseph had just been born before the decision to leave Laban. She was pregnant with Benjamin. He was inside of her. And no doubt Joseph was nursing that day as his mother's breast in the tent with those idols of Laban. They were all three there with the idols. Eighteen years will pass. And Jacob's rash oath to Laban will return to haunt him in a second scene of sorrow. You remember the story. Jacob made a coat of many colors for Joseph and his brothers got jealous. They got so jealous that they sold him into slavery to traitors headed for Egypt. To cover their sin, they tore his coat of many colors and dipped it in blood. And then they delivered it to their father with the news that Joseph had died. They didn't say anything, just held up the coat. You know, the father connected the dots. A wild animal has torn my son, he has died. He no doubt remembered that whoever's with those idols will die. Joseph was there with Rachel. Rachel died. Now Joseph died. Benjamin is all that's left. He was in Rachel. No doubt Jacob remembered his oath. Whoever is with those idols, he will die. Joseph was gone. Jacob's horrific response is understandable in the light of his rash oath to Laban. Guilt and sorrow, friend, meet in a wounded mind, caught in a tragedy more complex than Shakespeare could ever envision. Forget fiction. This is amazing literature. And it's really the stuff of what happened. Look at verse 34, Genesis 37. Genesis 37, 34. Then Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning, 
Thus his father wept for him. So far, this story is just like other ancient tragedies in Greek literature, Mesopotamian literature. Sometimes someone says something rash, it's epic, and everybody suffers the divine penalty as a result. But friend, the God of the Bible doesn't work that way. In God's plan, tragedy is often the vehicle of moral and spiritual triumph and growth and renewal. Jeremiah says God does not willingly grieve or afflict the sons of men. It is not in the way of the Most High to subvert a man or woman in their cause. The Bible says all things, you know the phrase, all things work what? Together for good to them that love the Lord who are called according to his promise. That means the trouble in your life works together for good if you are in Jesus. You hear me? A rash oath can be reversed and turned into a blessing in the divine plan if God is in control of your life and your family's life. As the years passed, God in his providence elevated Joseph to the highest office in Egypt. He didn't even know his son was alive. But he was moving by degree to become the prime minister of Egypt. And then a famine strikes and Joseph becomes God's man who can understand dreams, who is himself a prophet, who can interpret them, who is an administrative genius because of the Holy Spirit, who was sent in his time to save the world. Jacob doesn't know any of that. That famine strikes, Joseph suddenly is where he needs to be. And that world that God wanted to save included Jacob and his sons and daughters as the famine hit the land of Canaan hard. When the word finally reaches Jacob that Joseph is alive, imagine what went through his emotional psycho persona as this old guy, you know, sitting there with a backache because the angel ripped his hip out. And he suddenly says, Joseph is alive and he's prime minister over all of Egypt, his ruler. The Bible says that suddenly his spirit revived. The old man got some fire in those bones. Friend, when the word of God finally reaches you after you have gone through a struggle, don't be surprised if your life revives with fire in your bones. In his presence, Jacob now saw the hand of the Almighty in the orchestration of his pain. He discerned the faithful hand of providence in the plan of God, working in mercy to save him and his family. Why is your family going through rough times right now? Because God wants to save your family. Let's face it, we had it good for many years in this country, didn't we? Church attendance was poor. Commitment failed in the church in North America. Evangelism almost non-existent. So God said it's time to impoverish the church a little bit. It's time for a struggle in the church. It's time for you to go through trouble so your faith can grow, your commitment can deepen, and you can be right with God for the second coming. God allowed this. COVID-19 could have been prevented by God. He allowed it. In Jacob's response, he saw the hand of God. Look at verse 26, Genesis 45. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart fainted, for he did not believe them at first, it says. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father revived. And the Hebrew came to life. The old guy is jumping up and down, not worrying about the hip anymore. We're going to Egypt. Let's get it on the road. Probably had a bull whip in his hand. Oxen, go faster. Okay. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. On his deathbed, Jacob bears his soul to Joseph. 
and confesses the burden he has carried for far too many years as Jacob's secret. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. The scene is a dramatic one ignored by many readers. We read the storyline. We often fail to understand the real storyline plot in this narrative, but it unfolds here. Jacob takes Joseph's two sons and blesses them as he adopts Ephraim and Manasseh into his family. Why? The servant Lord says, because of the connection of their mother, who according to scripture had been the adopted daughter of Potiphar, that because of that connection, they needed to realign so that they would be under the full protection of the blessing and the promise so that they would in fact not choose the evils of Egypt. So he adopts these two boys as tribes in Israel. As Jacob blesses Joseph's two sons with life and posterity, his lifelong secret of sorrow seeps out of him into the ear of Joseph. He pulls his collar down. You know, not the coat of many colors, but his royal coat whispers in his ear, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. It's been hurting me a long time. Now here's what he says. It's Jacob's secret. Genesis 48, 7. I'm going to read from the Revised Standard Version. For when I came from Padan, Rachel to my sorrow died in the land of Canaan on the way. That's how my translation does it. Now, if you have the King James Version, it says, Rachel died by me, which is closer to the Hebrew, but not quite there. Because the preposition is causative. The Hebrew reads a little differently and is more precise. And some people say, well, Pastor Mike, how do I know you know what you're talking about? Well, I'm not going to quote my own translation of this. People who read the Hebrew a lot will recognize I'm not inventing this. The Jewish Publication Society translation of Genesis. Rabbis smarter than most. Very intelligent translation. Very literal. Verse 7. For when I came from Padan... The Hebrew literally reads, Rachel died on account of me or because of me in the land of Canaan on the way when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. That's Jacob's secret. He lets it out. In the mind of Jacob, Rachel died because he spoke a rash oath to Laban in the tent. He had thought that Joseph would die and Benjamin would die because they were there with her. He spoke a rash oath to Laban the tent when she hid his idols from her father. Jacob promised that whoever is with those idols will die. And guess who was with them? Joseph, Benjamin, and Rachel. In his mind, Rachel died because of his sin, his word, his prophetic misuse of power. Rachel died because life was full of crazy consequences. And sometimes the innocent suffer at the hands of the foolish who speak when they should be silent. He carried that burden and sorrow of having accidentally sentenced his wife to death by uttering a prophetic command and word that could not be retrieved. Rachel died on my account because of me. 
Jacob whispered in the ear of Joseph at last the secret of sorrow that became Joseph's sorrow too. Rachel died because of me. Imagine how Joseph felt as he's learning these things. We learn that he discloses who his wife was in another section, but here he's telling him why his mother died. Friend, the God of the Bible has a way of turning tragedy into triumph. Are you happy about that? I mean, God doesn't leave us down. He is able to transform guilt into peace and acceptance in our lives. He can turn the path that goes wrong around so that we end up living forever because we're moving in the right direction. Jacob learned that God sent Joseph to Egypt to preserve life. And because of the tragedy, his whole family was saved. His life was saved. The future was saved. The world was saved. And his soul came to life as he went to Egypt. You see, God is not in the dying business. God is in the living business. He learned that. One day in the not too distant future, the eastern sky will flash with lightning from the top of Jacob's ladder as the ruler of time and space, the Pantocrator. In the book of Revelation, the one who holds all things will split the corridors of darkness with the sword of a glorious light. Jesus is coming. Heavens will be rolled up like a scroll and the whole will reveal the glory of the coming Christ. His light will pierce the blackness of our world of night with a glow that will never be extinguished for all eternity. The light will open the eyes of the dead. The light will bring together again two lovers who said goodbye between the house of God and the house of bread. The light will make them live again. And the trumpet call of Jesus will sound. And the voice of the shepherd king will call his sheep to life. Rachel in Hebrew means a ewe lamb. Christ's call will descend from the highest heaven to the lowest grave on earth to find the little ewe lamb with beautiful eyes. And that beautiful ewe lamb, Rachel, will one day look into the face of Jesus. It doesn't matter how deep your pit of pain you have dug, friend. It doesn't matter how wretched a life your life has become because of your bad choices. It doesn't matter how deep a guilt you bear for a wrong you committed or one you didn't commit. It doesn't matter. All who hear his call, all who rely on Jesus as Savior, who have had the kind of revival we're talking about where they put on that perfect robe of his righteousness, will live in the last day. Jesus says, those who hear my voice will live. Christ is coming on the last day to take the sting out of death, to open the graves, to end the tragedy of Jacob's secret and Joseph's sorrow. In that day, Jacob will kiss Rachel again, his little ewe lamb. And Jacob's sorrow will at last be over. In the middle of that hug, long overdue, long overdue, Joseph will burrow his way back into the arms of his father and mother for a tender group hug. Jacob's secret was Joseph's sorrow. He carried it from this point to the day he died, the knowledge of why his mother died. He carried it with dignity. He did not lose control or his faith over that. He balanced it with what he knew God was doing. Jacob's secret was his sorrow when he learned, at last when his father blessed his sons, that Rachel died because of him. Friend, in that day when Jesus comes, there'll be no dark valleys when Jesus comes to gather his loved ones home. There'll be no dark valleys when Jesus comes. There'll be no dark valleys because we will see Jesus face to face and Christ is the light of the world. 
face to face, Jacob, Joseph, and Rachel, and all the clan of Jacob, and all of us, because we are Israel by faith, we will see Jesus when he comes. And I don't care what you've gone through, what's happened, how the devil has whacked you or not, it won't matter in that day when we see Jesus. And at last, Jacob's secret and sorrow and Joseph's sorrow will be over. And they will laugh. They'll laugh. And there'll be joy and dancing in the right kind of way in the presence of the light, the presence of the Lamb forever and ever, forever and ever. Because God is not in the dying business. God is in the living business. Dear Heavenly Father, What a happy day that will be when Jesus comes. And Father, I pray that the happiness of that day will spill into the rough days. That the call of the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem, will be heard today. And a lot of that joy and a lot of that future contentment will spill into our lives every day. So we can face the tragedies, the ups and downs, the struggles, the apparent defeats. Knowing good and well that God is in the living business, not the dying business. Father, bless your people in faith with the righteousness of Christ. Bless them with surrender in their lives. Bless them with Jesus who guides them in life. And bless them with eternal life in his name. In Jesus' name, amen. That will complete Pastor Mike's message entitled, Jacob's Secret and Joseph's Sorrow. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. We so appreciate you listening here today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.